Thank you, worship team. So, I grew up in Fremont, and uh, when I was a kid, uh, my dad would take us to, um, there was an airport in Fremont, and we would go on airplane rides, uh, in like a small like four-seater airplane, it, just, just for fun, right? And now you're like, I could never imagine getting on an airplane for fun. Uh, but that's what we did. And we did this like a couple times, and I think the first time we went, I was 10, so that would have made the pilot like, he was like 200 years old. He was like the oldest person I've ever seen. I'm like, is it okay for this guy to be flying a plane? And so we're flying along, and I'm riding shotgun in this plane, all right? And we're like touring, like, you know, the North Coast. It's pretty cool. And the pilot goes, do you want to do a Cedar Point? And I thought he said, do you want to go to Cedar Point? I was like, yeah, sure. So I don't know what he did, He, you know, what he adjusted, but the plane just drops, all right? And you get like that feeling where your stomach goes up into your brain, you know, like you're going down the first hill on like the Millennium Force. It scared the tar out of me, all right? And uh, and afterward, we done. We were done. We gets back to like normal flying. I was like, I think I'm going to need a parachute. He's like, you've already got on a pair of shoes. And that's when I knew we had made a horrible decision by getting in the plane with this guy. But now, like... You know, that was like the coolest thing for me as a kid to like go on a small plane like that. Now you fly and it's like it's a chore, right? If you're on a commercial airliner and it's just like it's a hassle. And, you know, it made me think of this story. And I, I don't know if this is a legend or if it's true, but there's a story of a pilot and he was flying a private plane and it was a very cloudy, foggy, windy day. And, and he wasn't experienced, very experienced in, in landing, just, you know, the minimum to get his license. And he was new at this. So he was, he was, he was nervous. He was scared landing. And the control tower, when they were starting to bring him in, he started to, started to panic. And then a voice, a stern voice came over the radio and it said this, you just obey the instructions and we'll take care of the obstructions. So the, the tower was saying, look, we've got you here. We're going to help you through this. Now, it didn't say that the landing was going to be easy or that it was going to go smoothly, but they were going to make sure that if he trusted the tower, who could see far more than he could, he, they were going to make sure that he lands safely. That story reminds me of you know, a very famous set of verses. It's from the book of Proverbs, a well-known passage, and this was written by King Solomon. It's, it's Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to or acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. This is a really famous verse. You might have it on a coffee mug or on the wall in your house, and I think we, we sort of say it, and, and it's nice, but do we really understand what it means? And then if we understand what it means, do we really live our lives this way? So just like that pilot needed help getting through those cloudy conditions to land the plane safely, um, we too need help navigating our lives, especially when things get tough. So just like that control tower spoke to the pilot, I think what God is saying to us in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 is this. You just obey the instructions, and I'll take care of the obstructions. So let's begin with the, with the end of verse 6, where Solomon says this. He will make your paths straight. So if God says that he's going to make my path straight, does that mean that God will make our lives easy or that we're going to have all of our wishes come true if we believe in God. 
And I think, I think sometimes we see God as sort of a wish granter, right? And we love that idea of wishes coming true. You know, have you ever seen, you've all seen a wishing well, right? What a brilliant business model. Somebody was like, hey, let's set out some water and just tell people that if they throw money into it, all their wishes will come true, okay? That's incredible. No overhead, just clean out the money every day. That's all you got to do, right? Or when you're a kid, what are you told at your birthday? All right, make a wish and then blow your germs all over this cake we're about to eat. And then if you don't tell anybody your wish, it's going to come true. Well, sometimes I wonder if we look at those words in verse 6 the same way, right? We sort of think that if we trust God, all of our wishes are going to come true. All of our dreams are going to come true. All of our prayers are going to get answered. But it doesn't mean that at all. God never promises an easy life to anyone. And if you've been walking with Jesus for any period of time, I think that you would agree with that. In fact, it was Jesus who said in John 16, he said, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Now, Jesus also said in that same verse, but take heart, I have overcome the world, which means that he is ultimately in control. But if you look at Jesus' life, did Jesus have an easy life? Absolutely not. Did the disciples who follow him have an easy life? Absolutely not. But I think sometimes in modern Christianity, we think that if we follow God, he's going to make everything easy. And that's not true. But God's, but God's truth, his promise is that he will make our paths straight. A straight path means God is getting us where we need to go or where we need to be, even if we're not sure what that is. And maybe if we don't, we don't even want to go there, right? And, and here's, here's why. Sometimes I think we just want to know, God, where are you taking me? Where am I going to be next year? Where am I going to be in five years? And God doesn't tell us that often. I think for two reasons. One, I think we'd be too scared. You know, I, when I... You know, you've heard my story before. I was a bartender for eight years, and then I became a Christian. And if you would have told me back then what I'd be doing now, I would have ran the other direction, right? I would have said there's no way. The other thing is if God tells us where we're going to be, we will try to find the shortest, most efficient path there. But God doesn't always take us the shortest, most efficient path. <coughs> Excuse me. A lot of times, he takes us in very convoluted ways, and we have to experience things, sometimes difficult things in order for God to build in us the Christ-like character that we need. So when we arrive where he's taking us, we are able to do what he's calling us to do. So, so all of that to say, God, it's good that God takes us in those ways to go through those difficult things because God is using those to work in us Christ-like character. The trials and sorrows that we go through aren't there to derail us. Instead, God is using them to shape us. God's promise is not that we would have an easy life. God's promise is that he would make our path straight, that he will get us where we need to go. But that promise is in the context of a relationship, the relationship with, that, with God, and that relationship is a partnership. For God to get us to where we need to be, we play a role in this as well. And in, in, in verse 5, in the first part of verse 6, it tells us exactly the instructions that we are to follow to make that happen. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So the word trust and the word lean virtually mean the same thing. 
right? To trust something and to rely on something, to lean on something, means that you are putting all of your, all of your weight on it, right? It means that we, whatever we trust in, whatever we lean on is what our confidence lies in. It's sort of like this. <clears throat> if you go skydiving, I don't know if you've ever gone skydiving, but you can say you trust in your parachute while you're sitting on the plane, but you don't actually trust in your parachute until when? So you jump, right? That's when you know you trust in your parachute, right? So, so saying we trust God and not doing what he says is like saying you trust in your parachute and not being willing to jump. Saying that you trust God but not doing what he tells you to do is like saying you trust a surgeon to do open heart surgery on you and then the night before you try to do it yourself, Saying that we trust God but not doing what he says isn't really trusting in God. So Solomon puts two very different ideas next to each other and wants us to make a choice. Putting our confidence in God versus putting our confidence in ourselves. You know, from an early age, we very, very quickly learn to depend on ourselves to navigate the world, right? I mean, one of the first words a little a toddler learns is no, right? They don't want to do what we want them to do, right? Kids want to be autonomous at a very young age. You ever have a toddler who thinks they can tie their own shoes, and then an hour later, you're just dragging them out of the house with flip-flops on because you're so mad that they won't listen to you, right? We know better than to let kids make all of their own decisions. There was a movie with Adam Sandler, uh, came out a long time ago, it was called Big Daddy, where he adopts this kid, and he decides to try this parenting strategy where he's going to let this kid, who I think is a kindergartner, make his own decisions, all right? So the kid decides he wants his name to be Frankenstein. He's walking around with a cummerbund from a tuxedo and rain boots on and eats 30 packets of ketchup for, for lunch. We understand that letting kids make all of their own decisions, especially young kids, is not a great idea. We let our kids make some of the decisions, but not all of the decisions. So similarly, God has given us the incredible capacity to make decisions. The problem, though, happens when we always rely on our way of thinking instead and believing that we are always right instead of trusting in God. Or we put our entire confidence on something else because we will believe it'll get us what we want. Maybe you've done this. You trust in, in what is in your bank account or in the things that we can buy to provide you fulfillment, to, put, to fill that hole in your heart. Or we rely on and put our security, we find our security in another person. And that person then becomes our world. They become our everything. Or we put our entire confidence in our personality, in our looks, in our skills, in our ways of thinking to navigate life. Have you ever done this? Because I'm guilty of all three. None of these things are bad. In fact, these are really good things. But let me ask you this. <clears throat> what happens if you lose everything everything that you love, everything that you have? What happens when you get sick? What happens when you lose your job and your bank account depletes? What happens when, when that person you love leaves you, they break up with you or they divorce you? What happens then? What happens if that person that you've put all of your trust in lets you down or disappoints you? What happens if in the end we, are actually, we actually find out we went the wrong way? Because these things were never intended to bear the full weight of our trust and dependency. And we shouldn't be surprised when, when we 
place our whole trust in them that they crumble underneath of us. And then what are we, what are we left with? I want to go back to the story of the, the pilot for a minute. What if he had simply put himself, put his trust in himself and in his skills instead of relying on the control tower to get him to safety? Now, I don't know if he would have crashed or not, but there's a better chance of him landing safely and getting home if he relies on the control tower who can see far more than he is able to see at that time. I want you to think about, you know, think of all the times that you've had obstacles in your life and in your way and you trusted in yourself to navigate them. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about a regret in your life that you have right now. Maybe it's a financial regret. Maybe it's, you know, I wish I hadn't bought that. I wish I hadn't financed that. I wish I hadn't leased that. Maybe it's a relational regret. I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't, hadn't dated them. I wish I hadn't gone there. I wish I had just gone home. I want you to think about it. What is the regret that you're wrestling with in your life right now where you're like, man, I wish I, wish I could change that? I want you to be completely honest with yourself here. Are you facing that regret because you trusted in God or because you trusted in yourself? How many times have we crashed along the way because we relied on ourselves and not God who is in the control tower who can see what we can't see? Because sometimes the things that God calls us to do aren't necessarily the things that we want to do aren't necessarily the things that may make sense in the moment. But God knows so much more than we know. We don't have the big picture, and he does. He promises to be the one to navigate us to the straight path, but only if we stop trusting in ourselves and place our full confidence in him. So let me ask you this. I'm not big on New Year's resolutions, but what if this year was the year that you stopped trusting in yourselves and began fully trusting in God? And then a year from now, would your life be different? Would your life be better? If you fully trusted in God this year, would your relationships be better or would they be worse? If you fully trusted in God this year, do you think you would be closer to him or further away from him? Solomon goes on to say something similar in the beginning of verse 6. He says this, In all your ways, submit to or acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. In all of your ways, submit to, trust, lean on God. I was trying to think of some stories, how this, was, how this applied in my life, and I, and I thought of two. One, I didn't become a follower of Jesus, a Christian, until I was 28 years old. You know, I wasted a decade of my life and, you know, living my life apart from God, trusting in my own ways, and, and started following Jesus when I was 28. He saved me. And Shortly after, I felt God calling me to go to Bible college. Now, I was a bartender for eight years, and now I'm just going to go into ministry. And, and also, too, like, I was not what they call smart, okay? I, in, in high school, I had to stay after school my junior year to clean the greenhouse. Our school had a greenhouse. I had to clean the greenhouse so I could get enough extra credit to get a D- minus in 10th grade biology so I wouldn't have to take it for the third time. I was not a good student, and now I'm, like, going to go to college. So, but I just, I trusted in God. I felt clearly called to do this, to go to Bible college, to go into ministry. And so I started looking around. And also, too, like, I had two kids at the time. I can't just pack up and go to a university, right? And I'd been out of, like, some people take a gap year. I was taking a gap decade. And so 
my parents, when they went to pick up my transcripts, even the secretary said, I'm surprised he's getting into college with these. It was bad. But God opened the door. And I was able to get financial assistance, and I got accepted, and, and I graduated with straight A's. It was incredible. And so God did something incredible when I just trusted in him. And the next thing I was thinking of were, was, was when it has to, has to do with money. And, you know, we don't talk a lot about money here, but, but when, when Marlena and I got married, like, I honestly thought we were going to have to live in her parents' basement because I was like, I don't know how we're going to be able to afford. You know, I mean, I was working part-time here and working in another job. Um, Marlena was in college, and she was working two part-time jobs. Um, and so we were able to get a place to live in, and then, like, a couple years later, we were going to buy a house, right? And, and it was crazy because the week we were going to buy the house, we were taking a risk. We thought, okay, God, we think, we think you're leading us here. Uh, like a week before we were going to buy the house, we found out like we were $3,000 short of being able to get financed. And we were like, okay, this is it. And then somebody from the church stepped up and gave us the money. And we were able to get this house. And I'll tell you what, that first year, those first years when we were married, there were times when payday was like a few days out and we had nothing in our accounts, and there were bills due. And we decided to trust in God. And we made it a point, we made it a commitment that we were gonna trust God with our finances and so we were always going to give no matter what, that we were always gonna give to the church. And we did that, even when the math didn't make sense. And I'm telling you, church, there were times when we didn't know how we were gonna pay our bills and money would show up. I'm, I'm, I'm not making this up, money would show up in our mailbox. It would show up in my box at work. Marlena would get a photography gig or something like that, and God provided for us. Now, am I telling you that if you follow God, people are going to put money in your mailbox? Yes. No. <laughs> but God makes a way for that to happen because we decided to trust God and continued to give. Now, I'm not saying that to say how cool we are. I'm trying to tell you that to say how amazing God is, that when you're willing to trust him, even when it doesn't seem to make sense, God will provide a way. And I'm going to be the first one to tell you that it wasn't easy, that there was difficulties, that there was trials and sorrows. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God brought us to where we are now. And that's why trusting in God and submitting to him go hand in hand. Because when we trust him, we get to know him more. And when we get to know him more, we get to trust him more. And when we trust him, we realize that he knows what's best for us in all situations, even when it's difficult. And as a result, we can let control, we can let go of being in control and allow him to lead us. My favorite picture of what this looks like is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before the, before the day he was crucified. Jesus is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point where he's sweating blood. And he calls out to God the Father three times to take the cup away from him. He's saying, God, if there is another way, please let it be. He did not want to go to the cross. He did not want to face the pain and the death that he, and the separation from God he was about to experience. But ultimately, Jesus said this. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus was obedient to the Father even to the, to the end of his life. So again, what would it look like for you if this was the year where you said, not my will, but your will be done? What would it look like if that became your way of life as well? A straight path is not an easy path. Far from it. 
God's promise is not to give you an easy path, but to get you where you need to be despite all of the obstacles that could derail you. And the only way we can get there is fully trusting God and fully depending on him. God says this, if you just obey the instructions, I'll take care of the obstructions. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to try something here. We're going to take communion together in a minute. And before we take communion, I want, you to, I want you to get real with God. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28. He says, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Now, what Paul is saying here is that sometimes I think we can come to the Lord's table to communion casually and not understand the weight of it. And he's saying that if there's anything that's separating us from God, maybe there's something in your heart that you're not trusting God with, maybe there's some sin that you're wrestling with, and it's not that God has pulled away from you, but those things cause us to push God away. I just want you to get honest with God this morning. And so that's what we're going to do. And so I want you to take the, the communion. And if you don't have communion, um, there's some available at the, at the back of the room right there. You can raise your hand, and we'll have a greeter bring some up to you. But with the communion, you're going to find this, this top layer, and you're going to peel it back. And under there, you're going to find a wafer. And this represents Jesus' body. And I just want you to hold it. I'm going to pray for us before we take it, and then we'll take it together. But when I pray, I'm going to ask you to ask yourself some questions. And I just want you to get as honest as you possibly can with God this morning. So I just want you to close your eyes and bow your head. Here's what I want you to say. God, what am I afraid of? What am I not trusting you with? Father, I come before you on behalf of this congregation and all of those struggles, God, I lift them up to you. God, for everything that every person in here is afraid of facing, everything that they're not trusting you with, God, I pray that you, through your spirit, would give them the courage and the obedience to trust in you. Amen. It says, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do this in remembrance of him. And so if you peel back the next later, later layer, you'll find the juice. And again, I just want you to hold it. I'm going to have us pray again. And I have a couple more questions that, I ju- again, I just want you to get honest with God. I want you to examine yourself. I want you to allow God to show you what's in your heart. So if you would bow your head and close your eyes, here's what I want you to ask. God, where are you calling me to go? What are you calling me to do? Where are you asking me to finally trust you?
Father God, I come before you on behalf of this congregation and I, I lift up all of those requests, God, all of those struggles, all of those fears, God, and I pray that through your spirit, God, you would help all of us, myself included, to be willing to trust you, to know that you loved us so much that you gave your son for us. And so if you gave your son for us, will you not give us everything else, God? We can trust you in your name. Amen. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Let's do this in remembrance of him. Father, thank you for this time together. God, thank you for your word. God, as we go forth from here, help us to trust you in a new way. God, would we look back at the end of this year filled with joy, filled with gladness, God, that we truly trusted you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here this morning. I hope you have an incredible new year. Please be safe driving home, and we will see you next week.